I'm excited to talk about my sponsors today, Gay Lisby's Million Dollar Arbitrage Group. Amazing, amazing group. This is a teacher. This is, uh, Gay was a teacher. She is a teacher still. You need to learn this is the type of uh, environment you want to be in because she's going to help you understand why. And I think that's the hardest part of this business is understanding why. Why is the red one popular when the green one isn't? Well, there's usually a reason. And what Gay does is probably parse that better than anybody, and she'll explain the reasons for those things. I think that's really powerful. Yes, she puts out a list. You're going to get, uh, get use of that list if you get in the group. Now, here's the deal. The group isn't always open, right? So you get on the waiting list, and you can join the waiting list through my link. Um, doesn't cost you anything to, to get on a waiting list. And if you uh, like her service, which I find that most people do, and that's why there's not so many openings, um, you'll be with her for a long time. And so it's amazingfreedom.com. She's part of Andy Slamet's group, amazingfreedom.com forward slash momentum. And you're going to get in the waiting list. That's all I can get you on right now. You can use my name and see if that gets you anywhere. But what I like about in that, uh, what I like about what they teach in that group are the things that are going on, you know, the current things. I've seen a lot of stuff going on about stores going out of business. Well, here's where an opportunity is. Here's why you want to do this. Hey, be cautious about this, you know, with Toys R Us coming out. You got to think about this. And that's the learning that you need to do. And gay is better than anybody else I've seen. So um, amazingfreedom.com forward slash momentum will get you to the waiting list. Then hopefully it can get you in the group and then you're going to see me in there and uh, we can chat anytime you're ready. Karen Locker's group, Solutions, the number four e-commerce, solutions4ecommerce.com forward slash momentum. It's going to save you 50 bucks. Karen's our account manager. We recommend her to everyone because she's done so well for us. I mean, that's quite frankly the reason we've been paying her for the last few years, but she's become an important part of our team. Her and her team are so involved in our account. I just see the emails coming back and forth. Hey, we did this for you. I just saw two listings today. and I'm like, wait a second. Why did they show up? I didn't put any listings up. They got, uh, they got uh, set off to the side by Amazon, and they reactivated them for me. You know what I mean? That's the stuff that just happens when you have a strong team, and I can't recommend Karen enough. If you use uh, my code Momentum, Karen pays me. I don't want to hide that. Of course, we all know that, but you're going to save $50, and it's a great opportunity to really, really um, build out your team with somebody you can trust. That's why I recommend them. So solutions for e-commerce, solutions, the number for e-commerce.com forward slash momentum. It's going to save you $50. Oh, and by the way, she's going to do an inventory health report. Why is that important? Well, guess what? Fees are going up. Is your inventory health number declining like ours is? Well, here's why, and here's what they can do. What I like is I get a spreadsheet from them and it says, hey, um, here's a bunch of inventory. Here's what we recommend. And I'm like, yep refund, I mean, uh, delete, uh, return to us, blah, 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 whatever it is, and it's or destroy, and it just happens. That's what I like. The other thing that I have Karen help me with a lot is creating new listings. You know, we do a lot of the research ourselves, we upload our images, and then boom, magically the listing goes live, and I don't have to worry about it. Those are the services that Karen offers. Can't recommend her enough. Solutions for ecommerce.com forward slash momentum. Save 50 bucks. Use my code you save $50 a month every single month, and it's a great service. Plus, you get that free inventory health report. I think it's a really powerful way. So I can't, uh, I'm so excited how many people have been joining her because I see it. And I'm excited because the, the messages I get from people are saying, hey, this is great. I finally feel like I can focus on something else because Karen and her team are watching this for me. And, you know, I highly recommend her. Next up is Seller Labs and Scope. <laughs> I almost said it wrong. It's it's amazing. I mean, it really is amazing when you sit back and think about, hey, I want to get this product up, and it's similar to this product, and that's, that product does well. Well, therefore, if that product does well, they have the right keywords. They have chosen things correctly. So guess what? You scope, and you can see all that stuff, and that's what the, the most powerful thing in the world is to copy somebody who's done it right. That's what you want to you want to take advantage of that, right? I mean, it's it's fair... Uh, to see. And so therefore you could take and apply it to your listing and immediately get that same benefit. That's what scope does for me. Sellerlabs.com forward slash momentum. It's going to save you $50 on the service. Oh, by the way, it's free to try. So sign up, try it and say, oh, this is how it's done. Boom. And then you're going to, the light's going to go on and you're going to be like, man, I can get my products out there. I just can't wait. 
Can't wait. Sellerlabs.com forward slash momentum. The other day, I bought another domain. Yes, I bought another domain. It's almost like uh, I'm admitting guilt. But it's because I had an idea, and it was something that was a pretty good idea. I think it's going to go pretty far. And so what do I do? I go to trygodaddy.com forward slash momentum and save 30%. So domains aren't very expensive. You get a few services. It adds up a little bit. And I usually buy three years. I usually buy privacy. By the way, I recommend that too. Buy that, you know, it's not that much money, but when you can save 30%, it makes it that much sweeter. And it makes it easier uh, when you're buying domains, and especially if you buy a bunch of domains. I am a domain collector, and so I do tend to do that. But that 30% makes it a lot easier. And I use GoDaddy because what I like is I can pop in an address I'm thinking, and it'll say, nope, nope, try this version or try this extension. And then, boom, there it is. Hey, you better hurry before it goes away. And they're right, you know. And so try GoDaddy.com forward slash momentum, save 30%. Also, I want to mention about Grasshopper. Who was I just talking to somebody the other day? And they were like, oh, yeah, I use this company called Grasshopper. I'm like, dude, did you buy it through my link and save 30%? Hello? No, they missed that. So save 30%. It's trygrasshopper.com forward slash momentum. No surprise there. But you're going to save 30%. And what the, the real cool part about that is they're using it for their private label business. And it gives them virtually a second phone on their current phone without having to get another number. They can make up a vanity number. They don't have to go and do all the grief and, and sign long contracts. Pretty easy stuff. And so if you're creating a brand that you want to identify, you want to look professional, you want to look like a real company, Grasshopper is a great tool. It's an app you put on your existing phone and boom, you now have a customer service department. You now have a sales department. You now have a manufacturing division. You could forward it to somebody else. You can have it go to different voicemails, different departments, and it's all included. So try grasshopper.com forward slash momentum. Save 30%. Welcome to the e-commerce momentum podcast, where we focus on the people, the products, and the process of e-commerce selling today. Here's your host, Stephen Peterson. Welcome back to the e-commerce momentum podcast. This is episode 309, Chris Potter. Man, oh man, do we get to some great places in this uh, episode. Um, Chris is a smart guy, very experienced, has had uh, to lick some wounds, and he tells you he's very candid about uh, at his website, lessonslearnedinbusiness.com. He'll tell you some of the things that he learned when he stumbled, failed, in essence, but he reinvented himself. And then he reinvented himself again, and now he's found some capacity of time. And it's for a reason that is very, it's hard to swallow, um, especially as a guy, you know, wait, there are challenges, this is hard, yes. And sometimes things uh, are forced upon you. And so when you have that capacity, what do you do with it? And Chris gives you like three or four unbelievable examples of what you can do with it and how you can maximize that. And I just think he lands in such a great place and it's so cool to see him doing so well with it. Um, and I guess there's no surprise when you, when you meet somebody like that and they're able to just push through and then figure it out, push through, figure it out, push through and figure it out. And he's going to help you too. Let's get into the podcast. All right. Welcome back to the e-commerce momentum podcast. Very excited about today's guest because you've returned guest and um, I love the two previous episodes and then now the third episode. When I reached out to him, I mean, I had an idea because I watch people over time. I look for consistency. I look for people who are growing, figuring things out, licking their wounds, getting up and doing it again, but this time smarter and just getting smarter and smarter. And I think it's a great example of it. Chris Potter. Welcome, Chris. Hi, how's it going? Well, I'm glad to be back on the, the third time. You are. You are three, Peter. Um, well, let me let me read these because I just think this is powerful. His first episode was number 44, way back in 2015. And this is the, the lead-in I use. And again, I choose these, but this is what I get from each conversation. So it was starting over, rebooting, rethinking, refocus, retraining, re-education, then stay focused, work harder, and magically you have success. That doesn't sound fast. That doesn't sound quick. I don't see anything in there for quick. That was a lot of stuff to get you to success. The second time I had you on was 168, and that was in 2017, but early January, just after Q4. And it was at that point where you were taking and converting from a partial dropshipping model to a complete wholesale model 
where you're bringing products in, which is what you had before, but you're completely there. Your wounds have healed. You're now, okay, I've got this. You had a, you had a swagger about you. That's still fair? Uh, I, I, I think so. <laughs> I, don't, and, and I don't mean swagger in a negative <laughs> way or whatever, an ego way. I'm just telling you, you've got, you had your confidence back. Maybe I say it yeah. that way. Yeah, I mean, just like you said, everything was magic, you know? <laughs> yeah, magic, easy. Just unicorns yeah. and fairies. Just click your yeah. heels three times, and boom, all of a sudden success came. But listen to that again. Starting over, rebooting, rethinking, refocus, retraining, reeducation, all those things, that's not fast, that's not easy. And yet, I bet you have people like, hey, Chris, can you show me what you do? Can I get to $100,000 in three months? I need to replace my job, but I make 100000 Can I get there in three months? What's your answer as a, to it? As a matter of fact, I actually had my my stepdad ask me that this morning. So, <laughs> in that conversation, <laughs> uh, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and so, what do you say to him? The same conversation. What so, do you What do you say? Uh, you know, the, the same thing I say to anyone that actually asks that says the same thing. Hey, it seems like it's super easy what you're doing. Uh, why don't you show me how to do it? Um, you know, the first thing I always say to them is, you need to do some sort of you, you need to put yourself out there first and actually start doing something first before I want to take take you on, basically. Because there's a lot of people who say, yes, I want to do that, and they see what you're doing, and they think it's super easy, but they don't really know until they actually get into the thick of, of actually learning the business and doing it. And there's a lot of things you have to learn in any sort of e-commerce business. And if you're not willing to put in the effort to learn it and actually try some of the, the, the downline basics of it, the likelihood of you learning any sort of advanced techniques to to really start building out structures or systems or hiring those type of things, it's just not going to come. So I usually try to make them actually show some sort of semblance that they yes they really want to do this. I'm going to put some time into this. So I usually give them you know a couple courses to to kind of look at first and actually you know some some other free things like the the free wholesale course I, I put out. I have them look over that. Um, if they come back to me after that and say, you know what, I've done this, I've done this, I've done this, then yeah, let's have a conversation about how we can build out your business. How many people that you send that way make it back through it? <laughs> extremely slim, yeah. extremely slim. Most, mostly the clients that I have on the coaching side are mostly from, uh, you know, they're already doing it. They're, they're basically already doing it and they've already started their business and they're just looking to get to that next level and that's what they're looking for help for. And those are the people I love working with the most. Yeah, they have figured out what tape to use, right? I, I mean, it's a bad example because we all, <laughs> well, let's be fair. You and I asked that question at one point in our life. Hey, what tape is better? Than, you know, we did. But, yep. you know, you could now, in today's day and age, you don't need to ask that question. There's so many of us that put out so much content for free. I mean, you know, thousands of hours, millions of downloads, but thousands of hours of content. You can go listen. And in there, I address somewhere in there what tape to use, right? So, so when you get through that... Um, and you get to that place where somebody is like, okay, yeah, I've got this working, but I have this logistics issue, or I'm having this inventory in your world, inventory level, right? Lead time, uh, you know, drop shipping, drip, uh, drip inventory, just in time, all these very serious things. That's where you get the building. That's the learning point, right? That's when you can see the difference. Without a doubt. And I think when you're, you're talking about content, there's a ton of content out there when it comes to just like you said, starting how do you sell on Amazon? How do you actually create an account? How do you set up an FBA shipment? How do you find stuff at Walmart? Or how do you find things? How do you find suppliers? How do you private label items? All of these things are readily available. The things that are a lot of people don't really discuss, which is where a lot of people need to help on, is you know how, how do I deal with working capital concerns? Mm. How how do I deal with hiring a staff? I mean, there, there's there's things out there to talk about how to hire VAs, but there's also now a whole lot out there that says once you have five VAs, what do you do? Or once you have you know two, three, four, five, six employees in your warehouse, what do you do? Uh, what do you do when you get to the point to where you have a 2,000 square foot warehouse and you no longer have the space to do anything? Mm. Um, there's a lot of I these can questions relate. that, yeah, <laughs> there's there's a ton of these questions that a lot of times you don't really, there's just not like a lot of information out there because there's not that many people out there that really make it to that level where they have to worry about this stuff. So I think that a lot of these course creators, they are spending their time and attention on creating courses for the masses, the, the most amount of people, which makes sense. I mean, they're trying to sell it to 
as many people as they possibly can. And so they're looking for the area that tends to have the, the largest uh, mass of people who would potentially purchase their product. So it makes sense that they would, they would do it in these various areas, which is, which is why I think that when you start looking at some of these higher level things, you know, a lot of times there, a lot of times people are more willing to go on like one-on-one coaching type things or uh, asking one-on-one conversations, even at conferences, you know, those type of things. And I think that's a smart, that's a good, good conversation right there. I think that's a really smart approach for somebody. If they're interested in this, go through the free stuff, go through even a paid. If you connect with somebody, I always say it it, because there's so many people and they're like, oh, Steve, well, who's the best one? Who's this? I'm like, look, depends on who you are. If you connect with a person, that's the best one for you, but that doesn't mean they're the best one for somebody else. But then when you're ready, when you really want to take this serious, I agree with you. One-on-one coaching is going to be the best way because then I get Chris Potter for 30 minutes every week. Hey, these are the things, or I don't know if you do 30 minutes, I, I'm making it up, but, but it's just that, hey, these are the things that are important to me right now. Hey, I did this, and then I ran into this. Okay, boom, let's get through this. Because that's when you're, you're really sharpening that blade at that point. You're not just, you know, cutting stuff. You're sharpening it and ready for the next move, and then you can just go forward. And I think that that's a very smart way to build this business, because halfway through, you might say, hey, wholesale sucks, or private labels, not for me, and that's okay. Because you'd rather learn that than, you know, putting in $100,000 and figuring it out, right? Yeah, it's not like you even necessarily need coaching for a lot of these things. You know, just having good conversations with other sellers that are at or above your level, and in a lot of cases, it'd be above your level. Um, you know, if you're able to strike up those conversations, and you can, you can glean a lot of information from a lot of people. But yeah, I mean, if you really want, like, specific answers to specific questions, it, it's probably not not great unless you're really really close with someone to randomly talk walk up to someone at a conference and say hey i hear you sell 15 million dollars last year i've got a really random question about my business Hmm. (laughs) it's not going to work very well (laughs) yeah it doesn't that's not a great way to start a relationship one of the other pieces of advice i give see if you think this is fair you go to a conference so like prosper had their conference he had a hundred vendors i believe there some some huge number my opinion is that those vendors generally have the answer to almost every problem you have seen or what you have because they have seen it, excuse me, through other uh, customers of theirs where they, ha- they could send you in a direction. And there's nothing, there's no cost to that. Um, to me, that's an opportunity that I don't know that everybody takes advantage of. What's been your experience? Yeah, what you have to think about is that a lot of these people who are vendors, they're entrepreneurs just like everyone else, just Mm. like everyone that's starting an Amazon business, they're an entrepreneur too. And you have to think, you know, why did you start as an entrepreneur to begin with? A lot of people are saying, well, I want to get from my nine to five job, whatever. But the reality is, is that most people start their businesses because there's an opportunity and there's some sort, there's something missing from the marketplace that's caused them to want to do this. And so if you, if you look, look at it from like an Amazon arbitrage perspective, if someone's starting from buying like clearance at a Walmart, the reason why they're able to do that is because there is a variance in the difference in pricing. And so they're finding that gap and they're able to fill that gap. Now you look at these entrepreneurs who are these vendors, it's the same type of thing. They basically found a gap somewhere where they said, you know what, no one's filling this gap and I think I can be the best or at least be pretty close to the best at filling this gap. And so they've likely already talked to a ton of people about whatever this problem is. And they're basically solving a problem is what they're doing with it. And while solving this problem, they've likely found, you know, all these other things going at the same time that have caused issues or uh, they have solutions to problems that maybe you haven't even thought of because of the fact that they're already, they, they have a lot of people giving them this information. They have a lot of data and so forth. So I think you're actually pretty spot on because a lot of these people are very, very smart people. And yes, they're trying to sell you something in a lot of cases. Uh, but yeah, they're very smart people. And a lot of times they have the information that you need. It doesn't necessarily mean you need to hook up with them and start buying their service just so you can find out information. But um, I think that if you're just picking their brain and just talking to, talking to some of these people and, and get to know them, uh, you can definitely glean a lot of good information out of them. I think a lot of them, I think you said this, are entrepreneurs, but I think a lot of them have been sellers um, and they solved their own itch, right? Um, I think of Brandon uh, from Seller Labs, right? You know, coming up with software to fix his problem. How many people have you met, Chris Green, right? How many people have you met that have developed and didn't program necessarily, but developed stuff because they had a problem with themselves. And then it took off. Chad Rubin is another one, you know, Scubana. I mean, he he's still one of the largest uh, vacuum cleaner parts sellers on <laughs> Amazon. 
and yet he's got this massive company in Scabana, and yet you see him everywhere, right? And those people have fixed their problem, and therefore others have said, man, I've got the same problem. Can you help me too? And then I think the other positive thing is the others have helped fine-tune it and said, yeah, you know, that's great, Chad, but here, could you do this, 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 and this? And then, boom, now all of a sudden it's magic. And so I exactly. think that that's possible. You know, think about the services you use, right? How many of them buy you time? So it's like, I agree with you, you don't necessarily have to hook up with them. But if they could solve a big chunk of your time, because are you at the place, I mean, cash flow is one of the biggest challenges of any of our businesses. It's absolutely the hardest part, um, I think, once you get to scale, especially, right? It's, it's a very difficult part because of timing and stuff like that. But outside of that, if you take cash flow out, what's the next most difficult thing in your business? I mean, cash flow is definitely, definitely the biggest one. Um, and that's the one that most people struggle with the most. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say after that is probably people management after that. Uh, because once you start actually getting a staff and you start mm-hmm. getting lots of VAs, you have to, I guess a probably a better way of, of encompassing this entire conversation is saying that, uh, yes, working capital is a thing, but also you have people. So if you can look at it as a whole, it's resource management is probably the best way of thinking about it. It's a matter of figuring out what resources you have and how you can accurately put them in the right place. And if you don't have the right resources, to find those resources to, to fill the holes. So whether that's finding a person to do a job, whether that's finding the right money to actually uh, take care of an issue, uh, maybe it's uh, finding the right resource for your customers. Uh, there's a lot of ways you can look at this, but I think resource management is what boils down to, and you can encompass a lot of things into that. Well, I think that's cash flow too. So it's really the way to, I mean, are you saying then, and I'm going to put words in your mouth because I want a title for this, uh, is resource management the way to get to the next level? I mean, those who can master that and figure that out for all the things, like you're saying, it's across everything. It's cash management, it's people management, it's space management, it's time management, it's all those different things. If you can manage all those precious resources, what we used to call it in the accounting field, right? Precious resources. If you can manage that better than the next guy, that's a competitive advantage. Without a doubt. I've, I've talked to a lot of, you know, eight figure and plus upsellers and th- that's the common, that's the common thread. Once you start getting to high seven figures and above, it's all resource management at that point. It's there's cash flow problems, there's people problems, there's, uh, there's competitive problems, there's, all these other issues and what it boils down to is just resource management. You know, how do you, how do you squeeze out, how do you squeeze out the most you can out of every resource that you have before you have to start paying or acquire some of these other resources. Um, and that's the reason why you also see some of these really large companies. Now we're not necessarily talking about Amazon business. We're talking about massive companies. That's why they start snapping up some of these smaller companies. They start buying them because they they identify an opportunity that maybe they don't have the right resource for and they're acquiring that business either for the talent or the market share that they have or some other reason they're doing it is because they need that resource uh, to be able to follow whatever their master plan is for whatever their master plan is for their business you see this a lot in a lot of cases you know if you take a look at walmart um you know they they're pretty they weren't exactly great at e-commerce. So what did they do? They started thinking, okay, well, what can we do to kind of compete with Amazon? And they said, well, let's just start snapping up some of these smaller companies. They did it for various reasons. You take a look at Jet. They likely bought Jet not for Jet.com. They bought it for the staff. They bought it for uh, they bought it for their CEO. <laughs> uh, so they they would be part of it, part of their their team. And they started also buying up these smaller companies as well, which gives them diverse audiences. Uh, you know, you have to think that a Walmart customer is a Walmart customer and you kind of get a picture in your mind of what a Walmart customer looks like. So a lot of people do. And there's some people who won't shop at Walmart, but they might sh- shop at Moose Jaw, which is one of the sites that they own um, because they're like they're like an outdoor website that sells a lot of different things. And those two clientele don't necessarily match. So Walmart said, you know, how can we tap into this this market? All right, let's buy this company and acquire this company. That's how we're going to acquire that resource for this this thing. And obviously they had to have a resource of cash to be able to buy this stuff, which is what they they, they got off of other resource management that they had. Sorry if I'm going like way No, way, no, way, I, I think you're spot on. There, but but uh, you know you know what what came to mind when you said that though about Walmart? It really is going to come down to execution because remember when Sears bought Kmart and Land's End? I don't hear yep. Kmart or Land's End knocking it out of the park right now. 
I don't hear it. I mean, I've heard, you know, I mean, Kmart by me hasn't closed this one, but the other ones all around me have. I mean, they, this one's straggling on because uh, there's really no other retailers on that side of town. Um, but Land's End, I don't hear them killing it like they were before they were acquired. And so that execution, you know, the big challenge is, right, do you bring them in and force our corporate culture upon them, or do you bring them in and let their culture flourish and maybe pick something up like a Zappos and an Amazon? The way I understand it, now maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong, what you know, but Zappos still is run by the same guy, still the way he wants to run it, still in, I think in Vegas or something like that, and they don't, they don't really uh, listen too much to Amazon, right? There's not that much yep. crossover. And yet yep. Zappos is really still successful. So there's a clue there, isn't there? Yeah, definitely. And I think it's also, when we're talking about resource management, is figuring out what the right path is for these resources. Because you have, you have to, you know, if, you, if you're looking at, at Kmart and Sears as a whole, you know, what, what's one of the reasons why they haven't succeeded? Walk into one of their stores and you can see why. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're I... dusty, they're dirty. I mean, you have to think about that each one of these individual locations is a resource that they had. And they could have done a lot of things to kind of keep up in, with the times with a lot of these stores. You know, you, th you, you think about a Best Buy, which I used to work for Best Buy for 12 years. And when I worked there, you would watch them continuously reinvent themselves. They would they would take the stores and they would remodel them. It seemed like almost once or twice, you know, once every year, they they do a portion of the store almost once a year. And so by the time you got to like year five, they would almost have refreshed the entire store. Hmm. And you never see that. You never see that in Kmart's. And because they're, they're dungy and dirty, they look the exact same way they did in the 1990s. <laughs> well, it's like a Toys R Us. I think that was a great example yep. too, right? They never became a destination. Imagine. All our kids love toys, right? Your kids and my kids love toys. They love to go to these places to play with toys, right? Or all these different places. The big miss there was they should have become a destination, not some big box uh, Sam's Club, in essence. That's what they look like is a Sam's Club. And that's fine if you're going to buy bulk tuna fish or bulk cat food. I don't know why I'm on that mode. Um, <laughs> don't like cats much. Um, that's not true. Um but not when you're going to buy Super Soaker or Legos, right? You want to experience it, right? Or, you know, a trampoline. I want to go jump on the trampoline. And you couldn't do that in their store. And I think that's a big miss. And I think, I wonder, I wonder if retailers, and I, I know we're going off subject. I wonder if retailers will adapt. But let me bring that, uh, where I was going to go here was, what are the resource management techniques then that you advise for small sellers, right? Because we're, you know, we're talking on the big scale where it's easy, like, let's just have the marketing department handle that. And then they have 300 people in there. They can <laughs> attack it. And Chris's, Chris Potter's company, he doesn't have 300 people in his marketing department. So what are the resource management techniques that you suggest for smaller sellers on how they can start fine-tuning their business? Uh, I think you kind of have to look at them individually. So when you take a look at one major resource, which again is working capital, something we've, uh, anyone that's done any semblance of business for a while on Amazon, especially an inventory based business like ours, it's a, uh, it's a challenge. <laughs> so I would take a, I would take a look at it, at that aspect and, and come up with an actual plan of how you're going to manage that and then execute on that plan. And so when we're talking about making a plan, especially let's say in the aspect of doing, dealing with working capital, we all know that like an Amazon loan is one way of gaining working capital. But one thing that I don't hear a lot of people saying is how do you actually plan to utilize that money? Yeah. A lot of people, a lot of people take the money and just start buying stuff. That's not <laughs> That's a good plan. Do. No, <laughs> <laughs> because especially for anyone that's that's uh, that's dealt with finance for a while you understand there's a massive difference between the way that amazon gives you your loans versus let's say a line of credit from the bank uh, a line of credit from the bank typically you only really have to pay interest on a monthly basis typically and you don't really have to repay the principal until the, the the end date comes up which might be a couple years down the road or it might be renewable and you never really have to pay it back until they don't like you anymore or there's turns in the market those type of things are outside forces but generally uh, you have a you only really have to pay when you have money on the line of credit and you only have to pay a certain interest amount you have to pay the principal whereas Amazon it's a structured it's a structured deal where you have to start paying immediately the next month and it's the same amount every single month and so the problem I see a lot of people getting into when we're talking about working capital is they will get let's say a fifty thousand dollar loan from Amazon and they'll be like, okay, I'm going to start spending as much as I possibly can. So they start buying all this stuff. So maybe they spend 40 grand of it. 
well, the next month, now they have, you know, now they have this payment needs to be needs to be due, which if it's like a six month deal, this might be a $9,000 payment or 10, close to $10,000 payment. So now you have to pay it out and you have to hope that you sell enough off to keep up with these payments that are coming in. And then what some people do is they say, all right, well, I got a good item. I got, I got, got myself a re replan. I need to reorder my replan now. And so they start rebuying this replan, totally forgetting about the fact that how the hell am I going to pay off this, <laughs> this Amazon loan? And so they start getting into, into this cash crunch where typically, like if it's a six month loan, I see a lot of people get into a ton of trouble when you get into months five and six mm. is typically what you see. And when you start getting into months five and six, it's because they, they end up buying the replans and they haven't appropriately figured out how they're going to do this. So then what happens is when you get to like, like month five, they're scrapping to make sure they have enough money in their stuff. And now they're starting to panic and say, all right, well, I'm going to need to start selling off stuff as quickly as I can. Do I start taking less margins? Uh, and then they have to hope that Amazon is going to renew their, their loan, which does happen a good majority of the time. But then you start on that vicious cycle of never being able to get out of an Amazon loan. And those interest rates are not great. <laughs> yeah. so, it, it reminds me of the credit card yeah. cycle that people used to get in way back, right? Yep. Where they would get in this thing in this loop and they never can get their way out. And that's a very dangerous place to go. And I've seen a lot of people talking about, oh, I'm hoping they renew it for me. I'm hoping they renew it for me. My heart bleeds for them. Yep. Um, I, I really feel bad because I, I'm just not certain that, um, you know, not bragging, but I turned down all the sponsors that loan money. I mean, I have some guy I'm debating with online, you know, the PR company reaches out to me saying, oh, he's the best thing since sliced bread. I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll listen. Go ahead. And then he's telling me about all these structured things. And I'm like, that sounds like that. I, not me. <laughs> I'm not that guy. There are guys that do it. They're better at it than me. I'm not the guy. If I don't believe in your product, I'm. Well, what good am I going to be for you, right? But he's debating me. This is not a loan, Steve. And I'm like, you know, if they don't pay it back, what happens? Uh, well, yeah, you know, so you, know, you can call it what you want. But to me, I just don't, I'm not sure that's the smart way to go. Um, you know why I would say that? Because how many of us, and you be fair about yourself, how much of a, how much resource management have you done you know, all those other resources we talked about, if you get all them in order, maybe you don't need that loan. Is that possible? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, we're talking about, because obviously we're bringing it back to the original, the original question, which is, you know, how do you manage these resources? I think it boils down to having the correct plans and executing on those plans. And you can put this in any, any method. And, you know, obviously we went to a big tangent on Amazon loans, but it boils down to, if you take that exact same concept and put it onto hiring planning, you know, staffing planning, you know, what exactly do you plan on having your staff look like a year from now? Hmm. Is it going to be three people? Is it going to be six people? If you're going to hire six people, like what people do you need to be able to operate what parts of the business? And if you say you're going to need this, how, you're, how are you going to pay for this? Uh, what exactly are you going to have these people doing? And how are you going to get from point A to point B? And that, that's not a lot of planning a lot of people do. Uh, a lot of people are just saying, well, I think it's about time for me to hire someone because I'm tired of doing this. Um. <laughs> well, I go into this, uh, I have this long episode coming where I talk about budgeting and it's, it was almost an hour. It's a different podcast I'm doing. And it was almost an hour. And I'm like, who's going to listen to this? Cause I explain a budget, like every single line item. And I'm like, man. And then I mentioned to somebody, they're like, Hey, is it out yet? Do you have it yet? And <laughs> can I have it yet? And I'm thinking, is it, you know, so foreign for people to actually do a, a financial budget, which includes labor and that labor puts it on paper and then you get the tax and all the rest of that jazz. And all of a sudden you see it and you're like, Ooh, and then you put your seasonality in there and you're like, Whoa, how are you going to pay for that? And then you start to see that you're, you're budgeting unprofitable months. I worked at a yes. company one time and the lady, the, the CEO lady at that time said to me, Steve, I don't want to have a company, one of my properties where we lose money on a given day. And I'm like, well, Good luck. Uh, yeah, you know, it wasn't it wasn't popular, but I'm like, what would you like me to tell you? I can make it up and make you feel better, but the reality is that's what the that's what's going to happen. Now, do you plan for it? How do you plan for that? That's exactly what you're talking about. In cash flow projections, how many people are doing those cash flow projections to cover that labor cost that you're speaking of, right? Because if you have six people and then all of a sudden that holiday rush comes, those six people might not be able to keep up. So, where's that money coming from, right? Yeah, and and then you also have to think about if you're going to just throw someone in there, where's the training going to come yeah, from? Yeah, right. Ooh. You know how how are they going to know what the hell to do? 
And well, so we go back to your starting <laughs> over, right? Yeah. Rebooting, yeah. rethinking, refocus, retraining, reeducation. Every person has to have that. Well, let's continue that. Uh, what other ways can you improve resources and, and sharpen your resource? I think this is very powerful because I think this is a miss for most people because let's face it, they're very small businesses and they're trying to operate lean and mean, but these things are getting missed. Yeah, um, I mean, there's there's other things you can think about, especially when you're talking when, as obviously a lot of the people are listening to this podcast or have some sort of e-commerce business, and I know it's it's probably heavily slanted towards Amazon businesses. Yeah, which which means that probably 98% of your audience is dealing with inventory. Um, so the question is is are there other ways to generate revenue or income that maybe isn't tied to that working capital, and th- there's gets to be a point to where there's an inflection point. You have to think to yourself, okay, well, am, I, am I going to take on more debt? Am I okay with growing the same pace I am right now, which might not be growing hardly at all? Or should I do something else to kind of offset these working capital concerns? Uh, and so there's an inflection point that you get somewhere along the lines where you have to make a decision and say, yes, I'm going to take on more debt, which for some people is just queasy to do. Some people just don't like doing it. Some people are gun ho for it. Um, if you go gun hole for it, then you obviously need to have a plan for that. Um, in some cases, you have people that are opposed to that. So they have to figure out, okay, well, what am I going to do now? Am I okay with growing X percentage when I see everyone else growing higher? I've got 30 hours a week. I'm not doing anything now because I have no money to buy anything. Hmm. So you have to start thinking about, okay, well, what else can I do that I can utilize my time with that will potentially gain income or potentially grow my business and other methods. And so th- there's actually a there's actually a, a person named Brian Bowman. I don't know if you've ever had him on the podcast or not. Mm-mm, no, I know. So there's his name is Brian Bowman and there's a video that he made. He's a guy that does a lot of uh, marketing for e-commerce and he's got his own group which he posts a lot of videos in, but um, there was one video I watched of his that really laid this this uh, this methodology out. And what he he said was uh, we're so heavily invested into our into our, our companies and we have so much money into it that you have to start thinking about what are other ways to start making money off of the infrastructure you already have or are there other ways to bring in additional money that doesn't require working capital that you can utilize your same skill sets with so what he what he says there's basically kind of three prongs to be able to do that and one of them is one of them is the physical products business, which we're all accustomed to doing. Then you have another one, which would be the software as a service model, which talks again exactly into what we were talking about earlier, where you have all these people who started their businesses, then they started a software as a service model. It's very possible that some of these people said, "Yes, there's an opportunity in the market for us to do this," but another reason they may have done it is because they were they didn't have a ton of money to be able to grow their e-commerce That's business interesting. anymore. Yeah, it's a good point. And then the third one is education. And so it doesn't necessarily mean you have to start, you know, coaching people or creating courses. You, maybe you start doing things for your client, your customers. So an example of this would be, let's say you're a private label guy that maybe sells garlic presses. <laughs> we all love the garlic press. Love the so garlic you, press. <laughs> so you're in the, you know, you're in, the, you're in the kitchen niche, and maybe you're selling a ton of them, and you're doing grand Amazon, and you have, you're starting to build this audience off of Amazon, and you're saying, you know what? I now have an audience outside of Amazon that is kitchen related. Are there other things I can do that can generate income with this customer base that I have and generate income off that? So an idea of might be release a cookbook, <laughs> you know, hire, hire some people that uh, maybe hire someone that, that can write recipes or find someone who can write recipes for you and put together a cookbook and then give that, you know, sell that to your audience. Um, or maybe have some sort of like recurring subscription model for recipes you know, maybe maybe you get three new recipes a month or five new recipes a month for this audience, and you get people on the subscription model. So now you have this this recurring revenue coming in from your subscription model that can now help fund your other parts of the business. Um, and it's so like I said, a lot of people immediately start thinking of, "Oh, I got to be a guru and yeah, I sell these courses." I was going to say that because that that looks a lot easier and it looks a lot attractive to a lot of people. Oh, I see this person's killing it. These guys are making you know hundreds of thousands. Generally, that's not the case because, as you and I both know, there are some of those course launches that give half of their money away, right? So that means already, if it's a thousand dollars, it's only five hundred, or two thousand dollars, it's a thousand. And then there's an enormous amount of cost behind the scenes. But that 
that's a different, I, I, my opinion, because Steve doesn't coach. I'm helping some company right now doing a little bit of trade for uh, ClickFunnels stuff. They're helping me with ClickFunnels, and I'm helping them on Amazon. That's what I can do. But I'm not going to coach. Yep. I'm not a coach. I, I, don't, I don't have it in me. It, it takes somebody who's different. That's a skill set, um, and not everybody has it. You need to be self-aware, um, and I'm a, very aware that that's not me. And that, that doesn't make me a failure, but that's real. And I would embarrass myself if I did it. And so when I see some other people come out and just start coaching, I'm always like, well, maybe, maybe, maybe they got it. Maybe they'll be great at it. But sometimes it just doesn't work out, you know, and sometimes it doesn't, you know. And, and so I agree with you. I think, why do you have to go right there? Pull back, take a broader view. And as you said, you, you have, that's an asset. And in, our, in the old business I was in, that subscriber list, that's an asset. That's valuable. Right. And yeah. we used to call that intangible asset, but there's market. Uh, we used to have to calculate that every year. Right. And there's real opportunity. The other thing you can do is you could sell other products to them, other people's products. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, what compl- yeah. what complements a garlic press? Right. And if I'm yeah. selling a, I don't know, knife set, um, that would be a great opportunity. Hmm. Good thinking. All yeah, right. You know, another thought here kind of along these lines that, that kind of just, just came to mind here is, um, you know, another model, which I, actually I just lost it. Never mind. Go ahead. Well, no, I, <laughs> I, I was saying I want to stay on the resources because, again, yeah. I think you're adding value. I, I, again, I tell people all the time, find somebody you connect with that you think is going to add value to. I think your valid point is that, you know, do the free stuff, take a course or two for the general stuff. But now when you're ready, you need to get, if you're ready to go to that next level, uh, I always say Mitchell Lips says this, buy some time, right? Take somebody, buy yep. some time, pay them a little bit of money, get you through those pain points because they are pain points for a reason because they're painful. But if somebody's been through it successfully and they can demonstrate and they can help you understand it, boom, it's worth your weight in gold. Um, I was just at a mastermind and the keynote speaker made the trip worth it. He absolutely yep. got me focused, this and that. Now, the rest of it was great. Don't get me wrong. And I'm not taking away from it. But that piece was so worth it for me. It advanced me so much further than I could have on my own. And then to get one-on-one time. So how do you find that? Well, you got to spend money. It cost me a fortune to go, right? And so I, I just think that that's opportunity that a lot of people don't take advantage of. Yeah, definitely. And, and my, my thought actually came back. So All right, good. Hey, this I, happens when you get older, dude. Get ready. Yep. Yep, I, uh, I left myself a note here when it came to my mind. I, I typed it in, and I was like, oh, I got to make sure I don't forget it. So uh, the other note, the other thought here was is, you know, how can you leverage your existing resources? Because how, how I talked about one of those three pegs was to uh, potentially do information. So let's say, for example, you are a company that uh, sells on Amazon, and you've gotten really, really good, let's say, pay-per-click advertising for your, for your own business. That's a, that's something that you can potentially do for someone else. It's a service you can provide to other people. Um, so an example of that would be you know brand consulting for uh, for various businesses. You could if you're really good at pay per click and let's say you're really good at like writing ad copy on, on listings. I mean you could easily go through Amazon and find some really crappy listings and reach out to those brands and say you know what I'm a copywriter I can help you make these listings better. And this is a way of of utilizing your resource which is your time and skill set that you already have and be able to leverage that resource and uh, and be able to, to gain some additional working capital out of that that you can then use into maybe your long-term strategy of what you want to do. Well, Robin Johnson teaches that. And, you know, her point is, look, there's no capital investment on this. This is a, a percentage that you get of their sales. And sometimes it's a better margin than what you would have made selling the products. Isn't that true? Yep. Without a doubt. Hmm, love it. All right. So, so thinking about where where the businesses are going, I mean, you've done a, a good job of, uh, you had a, a that five-star seller society for how long now? Uh, since 2015. So That's a long time, dude. Three years. Three that years. says something. Is longevity is usually the key. When I look for, when I, uh, success leaves clues, right? I look for longevity. I always look for people consistency over time. So that's really worked well. But because you're, let's talk about you and what you're doing um, related to this, because I think it's, I think it's a great thing. I mean, we have a big warehouse here, and we have a couple of clients in here with private label products. You're now involved in some form of fulfillment service. Why don't you talk about that? Yeah. Um, uh, let's like talk about resource management. It got to the point to where I was starting to realize that I was starting to run out of money for buying wholesale products. It, it was literally running out of money. Um, and so the question was, is do you go into more debt, or do you come up with some other solution? And, 
I was not willing to go into any more debt because my previous business, I think that was a, a large part of large part of the issue is that was too overcapitalized uh, when it came to uh, over leveraged because of the working capital I had. Um, and I still wanted to grow with it at a magnificent pace, but I realized I just couldn't do it without taking on more debt and I just didn't want to take any more on. So I started thinking, okay, well, what other things, what, what other skill sets do I have? What are things going to leverage? And I've been, I've been coaching clients for about a year now and I have the five-star seller society, which is for sellers over hundred, hundred K. So I have that going on too, which those are both services I provide. Uh, but I actually had an opportunity with a partner, which is uh, Wesley Murray. He actually approached me and said, you know, I'm getting ready to potentially go into a larger warehouse. And I've been thinking about operating a prep center for, for clients. And I said, you know what? I already actually helped two other prep centers actually start and organize their, <laughs> their prep centers. Um, but you don't know what you know. Yeah. I mean, there's a yeah. there's a moment right yeah. there. You got to sit to yourself yep. and say, wait a second. This is my what your third warehouse at this point. You've been through how many of them and how large you don't well, know yeah. what you know. <laughs> Yeah, you got you got to think that you know that there was actually a, there's actually another prep company uh, in Indianapolis that started uh, let's say probably over a year ago now, and that was their first client, uh, and and they weren't even necessarily thinking of doing a prep center, and it was an opportunity that they had. And I, I was talking with them, and uh, they decided they want they they were going to start a prep center. And I was their first client, and I actually helped them through a lot of the 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 concerns they had to actually start to start the business. Um, and we kind of worked through all the bumps and we kind of worked out the processes and stuff. So I've been through it once there. And I also was, I also went through it again when I was uh, back in, I think 2012, 2011, I helped another company, uh, do preparation services as well. So when he approached me with this idea and he said, you know, I'm thinking about doing this, I said, you know, I have a ton of experience in this, obviously. So I, I know how to build systems and structures. I know how to, uh, potentially do that. Uh, obviously I have some audience I potentially can potentially bring in, uh, some clients too and he said well you know i would be the one potentially working in the warehouse doing a lot of the work and managing the people and things like that and i said you know what this seems like a really good skill set that you know it's, a, it's something i don't necessarily want to deal with is dealing with the day-to-day -day operation of the actual warehouse uh, i would be much better at creating the systems and processes to actually make things happen um and then obviously give give advice where necessary when it comes to working capital and all these other things and so that was the skill set that I had. So I said, all right, well, I'll bring that to the table as long as you can bring to the table your skill set, which is hard work, effort, and managing people in the warehouse. And that's kind of where the, the partnership grew off of that. So um, once we did that, then we started thinking, okay, how are we going to operate this? And we started looking at pricing and what services we're going to offer and, and those type of things. And then we started building out the correct structures and processes to make it happen. And right now we're actually still technically in our, our soft launch phase. We haven't officially done a grand opening yet. Um, but we're, we are taking on clients slowly because we don't want to necessarily take on too many. We can't really deal with. <laughs> um, well, that's important. To work out the kinks. Well, it's yeah. important because you don't want to disappoint people. I've seen a few people start them and then they stumble and they disappoint people and you're messing with other people's business. And yep. I get it. They had good intentions. They had no intention to mess anything up, but you know, it doesn't matter. It did. You affect other people and that's a real bad, that's a bad thing. Um, I don't want that in my life. So, so let's talk about the name of it. You can put it out there. Go ahead. Uh, it's qcfulfillment.com. And if you want to Remember what that what that what that stands for. It's for Queen City because we're from Charlotte and Charlotte's the Queen City. So it's QCFulfillment.com. Or if you really want to get crazy, you can call it uh, QualityControlFulfillment.com, which is the QCFulfillment.com. Okay, so, so either one takes us there. All right, so it's in Charlotte, <laughs> North Carolina. So it's on the East Coast. Are you um, are you thinking about offering Seller Fulfilled Prime at some point? Yes, okay. uh, it is. It is in the works, but it's not something we're doing right away. It's something Wesley has a ton of experience with because he's he's done it as a seller. Um, so he he's already he's already aware of how exactly it works and everything that's involved with it, um, but it's not something we're taking on immediately because we're trying to make sure we have our correct processes and procedures in place for everything else before we start adding on additional things. Well, good, then I'll reach out to him because I need help with that because it's one of the things I want to do for ourselves, but I'm just not certain how to do it, and I'm not going to launch anything until I'm certain. And you know, let's face it, I love FBA. I mean, it works so well, but. It would be neat location-wise because I'm on the East Coast too. So, all right, cool. So, so this again is a good example again where you're taking, you're not putting up a ton of money. I don't care about your relation, how the partnership works. It doesn't matter to me. It's you're taking this, this skills that you've learned, these skill set over time that you've learned, and you're bringing it in, and you're taking that resource. Right, we're back to resource management, and you're saying, hey, I've got some capacity because I'm out of money. So I've got some capacity. Now I can work to help grow another revenue stream and really, quite frankly, smooth out your business because that revenue stream really allows that cash flow improvement. 
Exactly. And, and that's, that's really kind of what the goal here is. I mean, the initial goal wasn't to say, let's make a million dollars off this prep center. The original goal was, all right, let's, let's get a good service that not only can service ourselves, obviously, but also service a lot of our clients and, um, you know, take those processes and procedures we've made to make things as smooth as possible and do that to create the best service we can for our clients. And, uh, you know, the goal obviously is to make money off of this. We're not, we're not entrepreneurs just like anyone else. Our goal is to make money off of it. But, um, ultimately that wasn't the first, that wasn't the first thing that came to mind. It was, you know, we're already good at something. Let's try and offer it to other people and possibly make some money in, in the long run. I think it's smart. Um, we use it to offset our costs, right? That's what we're, we're in a business, not of prepping and not fulfillment. <laughs> we're not that company, but for us, we have some other clients in ours for, to help offset our storage costs and it's worked out really well. And the people we have have just been great. But again, it's a very, ours is a very thin and directed group where you're offering a lot of services, a lot of moving pieces. I, that does not attract me because, man, that's a lot of moving pieces. And, again, that's a process person, right? That's somebody like you who can sit there and say, okay, here are the steps, here's the tools, here's the SOPs, here's everything that you need, which is key, right, because it's all consistency. That's That business is consistency. Yeah, yeah, and we've. Uh, that's basically what my probably greatest skill set is, is figuring out, you know, figuring out what, works and what doesn't and then figuring out the right processes and procedures to follow and then putting them into place uh, I'm, i wouldn't say i'm the best guy at managing a staff right. <laughs> i'll be yeah, my, that's my, fair my wife tells me that all the time that i'm not <laughs> the best manager per se um, and she's told me that for years but one thing i certainly can do is i can create a process and say here's exactly what you need to follow uh, and then put a person in place to manage that process that, that i certainly can do those soft skills are important. No, but they, they are soft skills, but those are important But as long as they follow those techniques because yours is based on experience and knowledge. And let's face it, uh, you know, there are uh, established procedures in place for these other companies. I was just showing somebody how to do something. They were like, oh, my gosh. I'm like, yeah, I don't get to say Jeff Bezos doesn't call and say, Steve, what do you think? Should we put this little extra step in here? You know, it just happens. And you have no choice. You follow it or else, right? That's the rule. You follow it or the shipment has a problem and then the problem's compound. And so that's all really important. All right. Let's talk about this. When you look out, the world has changed, right? It's evolving very quickly right now. This inventory health thing has really become a big deal for a lot of people, um, a really big deal for a lot of larger wholesale sellers. I mean, I see that uh, I've, I've had several of them approach us saying, hey, can we get inventory in your place? Because they're looking at some really giant monthly fees. Because in the past, it really wasn't a penalty, right? Um, it wasn't great to buy all this stuff and then send it in, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't really a penalty. Now it's truly a penalty. What are you seeing uh, those larger sellers do to help figure this out? Because it's a resource management issue, right? It's really, it's a big one too. Yeah. Um, and I would say that the first ra the first burst of clients that we got for, when we started telling people what we're doing is people getting stuff out of Amazon and putting it into our warehouse for storage because, they didn't want to get hit with the long-term storage fees and the fact that they were offering, you know, free removal, which uh, by the time this airs, will probably be a week, <laughs> a week or so uh, since they stopped offering that. Um, but yeah, that, that was pretty much the first thing that we, we did. And then it's a matter of figuring out, I, I think becoming better in tune with your actual inventory. Cause I think a lot of us just, just we're in the, are in the mindset of, Buy, 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 yeah, buy. Sourcing buy, is buy, everything, buy. Chris. Sourcing yep. is it. That's yep. the skill set. Everything else is easy. Yep. Amazon does yep. that for you. But sourcing is the only thing that matters. That's not yeah. really true anymore, is it? <laughs> no. Probably never was. <laughs> it, no, it never was. But Amazon made it very easy for you to be able to ignore these things. Yeah, that's fair. It, the, the way I kind of looked at it when they came out with the IPI, I think is the, the uh, acronym for it, uh, when they came out with that, to me, it just looked like a mechanism that every business probably should have already had in place yeah, to begin with. Absolutely. No, it's fair. <laughs> they forced it on you. If you're not going to listen, we're going to yeah. force it on you. That's fair. Yeah. I mean, all those metrics you're seeing in there are things that you probably should have already been looking at in your business before they even came out with this IPI mess. Um, so these are things that I had problems with back in 2012 in my old costume business. Uh, a lot of these things we're talking about, like your turn time and how quickly you're selling through things, how long is stuff sitting there? Um, it, are you replenishing your stuff the way the way you want to do it? I mean, these are all things that you should be looking at on a regular basis. So I, I think that what the IPI did 
is it's taking basic inventory management skills that every large business has that's inventory based. These are processes, procedures they have in place to do this. And they're basically saying, all right, you're a small seller. We're going to force this process and procedure onto you. And if you decide not to follow this, then we're going to make you pay for it. Yeah, to penalize. Um, it, it's, yes. it is a penalty. Yep. So they're going to make you pay for it by either not allowing you to send as much stuff in uh, or, you know, who knows what other penalties are going to put in. You know, long-term storage is a huge financial penalty to be able to leave this stuff in there. And now they're restricting the amount of storage space you can have if you're not following following it. So uh, I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing personally. I think what it's doing is actually making smarter business people uh, as, as a whole because it's making you manage your inventory smarter right. what it's doing. Um so I think that as far as the, the, what people are doing, as far as these larger sellers, what they're doing is just forcing them to actually look at all the tools that are around, whether that's whether that's using the velocity reports from, let's say, like Inventory Lab or getting something like Restock Pro to look to look at that, or even using Amazon's internal reports like the Inventory Planning Reports uh, and just accurately looking at these things and saying, okay, well, you know, I have X amount of units. It's going to, in theory, should last X amount of time. And so when I'm re replenishing this item, I need to buy X amount of units to make sure I'm not going to run out of stock and I'm, I'm keeping an ample amount of inventory in there. And if you take a look at like the way Walmart works, like one of the reasons why Walmart can get stuff so dirt cheap is because their infrastructure for reordering stuff is so on point that, you know, just like you, I think you even used the word just in time inventory, mm -hmm. that that effectively is what Amazon wants. They want just in time inventory. And so they're effectively pushing it to where, you have to think like that. You have to think about and say, all right, how can I put a system in place, whether that's a, a VA, whether that's using software, whether that's me doing it myself, if figuring out, all right, I want to make sure that I only have X amount of inventory ready to sell at any given time, which which unfortunately for a lot of people is so difficult to do because imagine you're, you're a private label seller who has to order X amount of pieces in from China because it's going to take three months to make this stuff and get it in here. You have to almost hold three, six, seven months worth of product. And especially if you're thinking about Christmas, oh, Lord. <laughs> Where are you going to hold it to? Now, that exactly. becomes the next issue. And you have to get it through customs. You have to get it, you know, uh, all those different steps, right? There are a lot of little pain points along the way where you're not in control. Right. And, and, and that that is really something you have to plan. Chris has been helping. Uh, he was giving me some advice on Ecom Dash. That was one of the companies that's what I'm, I'm installing in my company right now. And uh, I'll be I'll be talking about it. We'll see how successful it is for us. Um, so far, it's been so so far so good. But but basically, it doesn't matter if it's Ecom Dash or any kind of inventory management. It's basically you have to get control of it. If you're going to make this a large viable business, right, scaled. Um, and even if it's small, you're going to be you're going to be using something to manage it, and you're going to have no choice because otherwise it's going to get managed for you. And I would much rather us manage it than having somebody force feed it by penalty to manage it. Yeah, I mean, I, I would almost look at it and say, okay, well, if Amazon's telling me that this is what I need to follow, are there other things I could be looking at to even make my my inventory streamlined even better than what Ooh. Amazon wants. And, and wants this is exactly what you were talking about, that resource management. Because if this fixes, right, if you fix your inventory problem, you might not have a money problem as much. Maybe it's only three times a year instead of six times a year or what have you, right? That's exactly. real. That's real. Hmm. Yep. Yep. And it's, that's effectively what they're doing. They're, they're making you resource manage your inventory. <laughs> or this whole this circular discussion. Dude, I, it's very exciting. It's very exciting to see what you're doing. I'm interested to watch. Uh, again, I look for people over time. I look for consistency because, you know, it's it's we've seen a bunch of people, and I'm not pulling anybody's name, but come in and offer something. Hey, I'm great. And they are. And then it wanes because to sustain that for a long period of time is tough. And um, I look for people over time, and you've done a great job with it. I'm very excited for you and your partner. Um, and, again, it's qcfulfillment.com. It's in Charlotte, North Carolina, which is great um, because it's East Coast, right? You're within a day's drive. I always tell people where I live in Pennsylvania, we're within a day's drive of 80% of the U.S. population. And so where you're located, you're not far from me, so you're within a day's drive of 80% of the U.S. population. Hmm. Yeah, there's, there's, a, there's a couple other advantages there, too, of the specific location we have because we're literally like 20 minutes away from the from uh, CLT2, which pretty much every shipment that comes out of our place goes to CLT. Oh, nice, nice. So shipping, you know, inbound shipping costs are so low. Plus, we're also not that far away from the port of Charleston, South Carolina, 
so if you are importing things uh, from overseas, that's the port you would typically come in at. Uh, we're actually working with, we're actually pretty close to closing a deal with a really large, uh, with a with a really large company that we're working with, uh, and they bring in things from, uh, they bring in things from Charleston, and they would potentially bring it up to us, and then we would distribute it to various places. But, um, but yeah, I mean, we, well, there, there again, that's a resource thing. If you receive their goods, they bring them in, and then you send them to retailers. I was at, I had to re-label something for a friend. And I was sitting in a uh, freight forwarder watching inventory come in, and it, Sam's Club came in. And, man, they were sending it to all these multiple different places. Now, you would think they'd have their own. Well, guess what? They, they can't handle their volume. There's a service there. That's a value. You have a warehouse, so you could receive even the piece that you're going to help fulfill and then help them with their other stuff. Again, there's a fee for that, right? And you can charge for that. Um, the other thing I want to make sure I point out to people, because when they hear, oh, wait, shipping to the East Coast, right? You know, Because we receive stuff in Philadelphia, Baltimore, and New York we've received uh, shipments from. Here's the thing to think about. You divide that extra cost, because it's definitely more expensive to ship something to uh, South or North Carolina than it is to ship to California. Makes perfect sense, right? It's coming from China. China's, uh, uh, California is a heck of a lot closer then. However, when you divide it out amongst a container and you divide it by the number of pieces, sometimes you're talking pennies. And the quality of service to save pennies is... Uh, a fool's errand. I don't know if that's the right term for it, but it, it's it's silly. It's pen, penny wise, pound foolish. You really got to start thinking about that. You're talking an extra X number of you. When I send a pair of shoes to California, it's four dollars or five dollars for me. Every pair of shoes I ship to California warehouse, I cry because it's an extra five dollars of cost versus me shipping it uh, an hour away, which is um, twenty something cents a pound, so a dollar. And so. Yep. Do I cry about it? No. I mean, yeah, I guess I do, and I complain about it, but it is. I have to build it into my model. So when you think about that, that's important for people to think about because I've seen that a few times. Wow, it's too expensive to ship to the East Coast. If you're buying 100,000 units and it costs an extra $700, which is usually about the extra cost, 700 bucks divided by 100, I don't think that's going to make a difference. If it does, you might have other problems. Um, so, all right, cool. So, Five Star Seller Society, I'll put a link for that. That's uh, your group. Uh, again, you have to be a $100,000 a year seller to be part of it. And then the QCFulfillment.com, I'll have a link for that. If somebody has a follow-up question, what's the best way to get you? Uh, I mean, pr probably either Facebook. I'm, I'm in a lot of various Facebook groups. So, if there's... Uh... <laughs> If you're in any Facebook group and you tag me, you'll probably you'll probably find me. Um, you can also find us at qcfulfillment.com, and you can send a message there. I also have another website, which is called LessonsLearnedInBusiness.com, which we didn't even talk about. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah we got to that, I think, in, in either yeah, number 44. Second yeah, second, yeah. 168, yeah. yeah. Lessons Learned in Business, but I'll put that on there, too. I'll put yeah, it because we, we, I have the, the full free uh, wholesale course on that website. Yeah, I just uh, somebody was just asking about that, and I said they were looking for a free wholesale course. I'm like, Chris Potter has one. Um, so <laughs> that's there. So it's LessonsLearnedInBusiness.com. And it's free yep. and it's complete. It's it's very encompassing. So, dude, I'm very excited for you. So what I'd like you to do, all right, and you gave a ton of advice and a ton uh, of helping people. But, you know, a lot of the people that listen are stuck, right? They get to that point when this business gets hard, right? They're, they're selling $30,000 a month. Well, that's not a full-time job, right? That's not, you know, at the margins, you're not going to be, I guess, unless you're replacing it. $20,000 a year job. <laughs> and so there's, they're sitting there saying, hey, what do I do? How do I get past this point? What's your advice that you, well, what's the advice you would give or you give to your clients on when they hit that wall? Because they will hit that wall. And the wall isn't once. I think that's the other piece we should qualify. This is the wall of the moment. Sometimes there's 10 walls a day. But let's give some advice to get past that. You know, the the common thread they see be between a lot of people that they hit that wall is there just wasn't a lot of planning. Mm -hmm. um, that's probably the most common thread between them all is poor planning. And so the, the question is, because a lot of, we didn't get where we're at without taking action. We all probably took action to get to this point. So a lot of times the motor isn't the problem. You know, a lot of us have high motors. We, we keep pushing, we keep pushing, we keep pushing, but then you're just pushing against that wall. You don't know what to do. A lot of times it's because they just didn't step back and actually create a plan and, and the correct actions to take. Um, Maybe they're they're continuously doing sourcing, but ignoring the fact that they have inventory sitting in their warehouse for the last six months. It's cost it's costing them five dollars a month for this one product. Now they've lost twenty dollars on this one product they were supposed to make ten dollars on. You know, you can dig into really deep, minute details like that. But the reality is, is that 
in a lot of these cases, it's just poor planning. There's not planning a lot of these resources that we've talked about over and over again throughout this entire podcast. We talked about resource management. It's not planning those resources out appropriately. So if, if I were someone that was hitting that wall, the initial thing I would say to do is to step back and take a look at what your long-term goals are and say, where do I want to be in six months? Where do I want to be in a year? And write those things down and then start backtracking and start reverse engineering how to get there. So what do I, if I'm going to be doing this in 12 months, what should, what do I need to be doing in month 11? What do I need to be doing in month 10 and so forth and work all the way back until you get to this month and you just keep building on those building blocks and going forward and focus on the one thing. There's a lot, there's, there's a book by Gary Keller that came out. It's called the one thing. And that's kind of one of the things they really focus on in that book is focusing on one thing and moving towards that, that end goal of what you want. And if I were to say one thing to push through there is to step back, take a look at your overall plan, just just break it out and come up with a plan and start working those steps instead of just continuing doing what you're doing today. Regardless of where you are, you can go back and plan. I think you're absolutely spot on. Man, thank you so much. I wish you nothing but success. Awesome. Take care. You too, man. <laughs> take care. Great guy, great story, great interview, such a powerhouse. But um, I just appreciate, again, uh, when somebody has it figured out, and, you know, Chris is going to tell you he's not perfect or anything like that, um, but he's smart enough to say, hmm, that didn't work. Let me try this. Let me try this. Let me try this. And it keeps keeps swinging, I guess is the right term, right? Just keeps swinging until he figures it out and then puts that process in place. You've heard him talk about that. It's so powerful. Standard operating procedures, um, putting all that stuff in place, there's value in it. You have learned skills. If you have mastered that, that skill is transferable to others, and maybe there's an opportunity for you. The other thing we didn't get to, but you know, if you have a warehouse and you have space or your sales are softer, look for the right partner um, to help you offset those costs. It's been unbelievably valuable for me. Um, it could be unbelievably valuable for you because let me tell you, when you're with somebody else who's another seller and you're hanging out and then you start conversations, you got that depth and that relationship gets stronger. To me, that's a very powerful place. So think about that too, but check out Chris's stuff, um, qcfulfillment.com, five-star seller society, lessons learned in business.com. Hey, thanks for listening. Ecommercemomentum.com, ecommercemomentum.com. Take care. Thanks for listening to the e-commerce momentum podcast. All the links mentioned today can be found at ecommercemomentum.com under this episode number. Please remember to subscribe and like us on iTunes.